One of the things we said early on is if I lose my job or I'm demoted or I lose a position because we're doing the right thing and we're speaking truth and doing it the right way through that process, then so be it. for both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where medical professionals answer your questions about what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their pre-born children. We know that every day in your practice and on your rotations, you face clinical situations that are challenging. We've all called a curbside consult when we need a quick second opinion on the best course of action for a patient. This podcast series is meant to serve as a curbside consult for you as you face ethically challenging patient care scenarios. Hear from experts on how they approach these situations and tips for how to think through them. Because we know that your lives are busy, we keep each episode short enough for you to listen to on your work commute, so you have the support and information you need when you need it. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. We have recently passed the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs Supreme Court decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade and transformed the nation's abortion landscape in an instant. For physicians devoted to excellent care for patients at all stages of life, from the embryonic stage onward, these changes offered several opportunities as well as possible challenges for their medical practice. Some physicians are recognizing the importance of becoming involved in government, advancing policies that will most benefit the health and well-being of their patients. Today's guest is a pro-life physician who can offer insights from his own work in government. Indiana State Senator Tyler Johnson was elected in 2022 to represent Hoosiers in Senate District 14. Dr. Johnson represents portions of Allen and DeKalb counties. He serves on the Senate Committees on Education and Career Development, Elections, Family and Children's Services, and Health and Provider Services. A graduate of Leo High School and University of St. Francis, Dr. Johnson returned home after medical school to become an emergency room physician in Northeast Indiana. In the community, he serves as the Director of Emergency Medicine, Chief of Staff, and on the Board of Directors for his hospital. He represents emergency physicians in Indiana by working with hospitals and legislators on improving patient safety and access to care. Dr. Johnson is also an active member of APLOG. Dr. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Could you quickly start by telling us how you, as a practicing physician, became involved in government? Have you always been interested in politics? Yeah, it's not always been a political interest, but um, as a physician, as you're going through training, you're exposed to healthcare policy and patient advocacy to some extent. And I got involved very early on in medical school on being able to talk with legislators and policymakers and became kind of involved in that route. And then as you move through training and residency, you have a little bit more of a voice. And so I was in Michigan at the time and started to get involved with our state organization up there and had an opportunity to speak with some legislators on, you know, barriers to practice and uh, patient advocacy issues. And and that's kind of where my initial uh, step into politics came from. Okay, so you've been interested in making changes at a systemic level for for a, a little bit, just whenever you had the opportunity. 
Uh, what made you interested in running for state senate specifically? Yeah, state senate was never really a life goal or anything like that. I never looked to run for office. It actually uh, was kind of a, a God thing, a, a calling that to get out and do more. Um, as you're in practice for 10, 12, 15 years, you tend to you know, look for other things to to get out and expand challenges and those kind of things. And um, I felt that call to do more. I didn't know specifically what that looked like, but a chance encounter or a God encounter with the, the previous state senator, Senator Cruz, was a really good guy. And we actually just met randomly on the street in Indianapolis and um, ended up talking for a while. And uh, he let me know he was looking at possibly retiring. And by the end of that conversation, my interest was really peaked there to do that. And so, you know, it's always, we've always stayed uh, plugged in, but have never been involved in a, in a race or anything like that. But we, uh, we felt really pushed from that moment on and took a couple weeks, couple months to kind of digest what that looked like before we made a decision to run. But once we looked at that, it was really uh, getting more involved in in policy making, we were already involved in our community, and um, you know thought we had a a good chance to win, so we jumped in. Very cool. Did your medical background and practice play a role at all in informing the approach you wanted to take to serving your community? Yeah, it was actually one of the things we talked about. Is as an emergency physician, what we do every day is we meet with dozens of people, sit down, and meet them where they're at. And sometimes in their worst moments, you know, the biggest crisis they're having and are able to sit down and have good conversation with them and hear them out. And I think that really translated very well into going out and meeting with people. You know, we walked, we knocked on tens of thousands of doors to go uh, campaign and talk with people. And it actually was really easy from that standpoint. You're just meeting people and asking them what they're thinking and trying to get their opinion on things. and so. It was really, really good from that standpoint. So my background as a physician and uh, emergency physician prepared me pretty well for that. Okay. And from those conversations with your patients and with voters, uh, what changes to your state's healthcare system did you figure out that you wanted to help bring about? Yeah, those are really high level kind of discussions. And what the nice part is, I was very involved in the health system uh, locally already. And, you know, there's some policy things, you know, we try to uh, balance the amount of government that needs to be involved with things. And so we want, um, you know, there to be resources and finances available for people as a safety net, but we don't want that to be a burden on the system either. But we also want to make sure we're protecting the most vulnerable people in need, babies, uh, the unborn, those kind of things. And so those are the big issues that we want to kind of uh, look at and keep working on. And, um, you know, they're not going to be fixed uh, overnight or in one session, but um, you, there's a lot of things to look at there. Healthcare is an extremely complex uh, system. Um, it's There's money and insurance, and uh, a lot of it doesn't even have to do with patient care. And so there's a lot of things that people don't think about on a daily basis that we're diving into. Thank you so much. And we'll dive a little bit further into the policy aspect of things, but let's pause a bit on that and pivot to your pro-life values. So you're a pro-life physician. How do your views on life issues impact your practice in emergency medicine? Yeah, my pro-life values really preceded my life as a physician. And so I brought that in with me. But as you go through medical school, you can't help but uh, see the value and 
the profound gift that life is. And so, you know, there's, there's some tragedy in that and those kind of things. But when you um, see as a physician, it's really hard not to see that uh, you almost have to ignore it. And so uh, really that view on life issues informs my emergency medicine practice every day on how you treat people and how you respect people or how you discuss things and, um, and, and how you want to look forward to uh, taking care of all patients. Thank you. And how about your political work? How do your pro-life views impact your political work? Did your campaign focus at all on abortion while you were running? Or Yeah, I mean, it was kind of natural. Dobbs had, had come down the, last summer, and uh, we had a special session in, in Indiana. And so it was a big portion of the campaign. Um, I was really uh, blessed to have one of the leaders in Northeast Indiana and the pro-life movement, uh, really a legend in the space, uh, support my campaign and become my campaign chairwoman. And uh, so we had a big focus on on, on pro-life issues. And um, it's one of the pinnacles of my political work. I really push hard to protect life at all stages. And um, even, you know, the unborn and that discussion, thankfully, we were able to pass a a very pro-life law in Indiana before I got there. There's still some work to do in that space, but um, that became a big, big aspect of that. And something we really, I, I, it's hard to talk about yourself and what the things you've done, but I, I've lived that space and tried to uh, live it out by actions. And so we were able to highlight some of those things and it did, it did become a central tenant of our campaign. Okay. Now, the, the work that you've done, that, that was all just recently in your very first legislative session, right? Correct. Okay, how did that go? Yeah, it's an interesting world to step into. You know, we tell, I told people, everybody asked, well, how do you know what to do when you get there? And kind of the answer is you don't know how to be a state senator until you're a state senator. Every, every session is a little bit different. Uh, nobody can really tell you how to do the job. Um, and every every aspect, every session has a little bit different flavor to it. So there's different topics and different kind of attitude and the flow goes differently. And I've been able to watch a couple sessions in the past and this session was kind of very fast paced and, you know, you, you're, you feel like you're actually drinking from a fire hose. It's a lot of different things, um, not just issues you're necessarily passionate about, but you're you're also asked to look at things across the state, right? So utilities and environment, and there's a lot of other issues um, that you need to become educated on very quickly uh, to make informed decisions on. And, and that was kind of a big part of that initial learning process. After you get elected, you really only have a couple weeks, two or three weeks before all the activities start. So there's not, there's no preparation period before you get there. So it's kind of a, an interesting flurry when that happens. And what were some of the wins you'd say of your legislative session? What are some accomplishments that you were able to make that you're proud of? Yeah, it was, um, I think initially just establishing those relationships with other legislators was a big thing. And just being able to be real and authentic and uh, let them know what my values were and where things were going and what I hope to accomplish. You know, you're one of 50 uh, legislators, so that's a big portion of it. And making sure you're doing the job with that. But I was able to actually uh, carry some, one of the probably biggest pieces of legislation from our caucus this year. And and that was based on protecting kids from kind of experimental uh, medications and procedures in the transgender space. And uh, we were able to accomplish that in, in a very um, respectful tone. And I, I was actually really happy with how it went. Uh, we had a very 
big challenge in front of us and we're able to pass it with an overwhelming vote and to keep the rhetoric really respectful. And what was the main challenge there with that bill or, or any of the other challenges that you faced during that session? I think one of the things that even in the medical space is just making sure people understand what uh, the political reality versus the medical reality actually is, because there's a lot of rhetoric around things and a lot of discussion um, that gets thrown out there. Uh, but when you take a deep dive into things, it may not fit up with the truth of things either. So it is kind of that's part of is laying out there and making sure you have a very simple, honest message and that it's easy to to lay out um, that one, you can portray it well and that people understand it well. Has your political work posed any challenges for your medical career? Have you faced any backlash for being outspokenly pro-life or anything like that? Yeah, to some extent that has. I mean, I don't think from my directly from like my health system or from my colleagues, we're, we're kind of an independent group, which is, is nice, but um, they definitely try, you know, you, you're, I'm very outspokenly pro-life and um, I don't hide that by any means. And I take every step I can to help protect life in, in the political arena or even in, in the hospital setting. I think that's part of our job as physicians is to do the best we can and have policies and procedures in place that really support uh, you know the unborn all the way to end of life care. So it it is important from that standpoint. And when you stand up to that, and I found that if you just stand tall and stand firm for what you believe, it's really hard for them to gain any ground on that. And they'll keep coming harder and harder. And uh, I think that's one of the things you discuss with family and people around you. Uh, we've, we've definitely been, you know, twisted in the news and, and people will keep coming after us. But that's something you're, you have to be okay with before you step out into public life. Absolutely. Yeah, those are some great insights for pro-life physicians who might not only be interested in, in being outspoken in government, but just who want to stand up publicly for what they believe in in general. Um, what advice might you have for, for pro-life medical professionals about getting involved in government? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just to take the first steps to get to know either your policy advocates, uh, people involved in that space. There's multiple organizations in each state. Sometimes it can be as simple as going to a local physician meeting uh, or a, a family group or a pro-life group and just kind of seeing where to get plugged in. Those are the easy first steps. And then you can kind of work your way up. If you have access or know a legislator, they're pretty easy to get to know and get involved with. They kind of, part of the job is to get to know people. And so they want to talk to you. I would en encourage them to reach out and start that simple conversation of just, getting to know them and uh, becoming a friend. It, you can't just jump in the first time you know them is when it's a big policy issue. Uh, it becomes very hard to know who to trust. And if you can build those relationships so that you can become an advisor to those people, that's really important. If you really um, feel called or have the resources or time to get more involved, getting involved with policy discussions and writing policy or even thinking about running for office, there, that's a big step, and um, I encourage pro-life physicians to even push more because we need – one of the things that we found this year is that there was no physician or, or really major medical uh, presence in our state senate. And so I stepped in as a physician, a pro-life physician, uh, with some good respect and authority to start with. And so uh, you're going to have a, a, a leg up from that standpoint. And I was – 
blessed and kind of humbled by with the way people uh, respected and and kind of embraced my um, my conversation and and leading in those spaces, and we were able to get some good things done this year. Mm. On the on the topic of uh, healthcare policy and leveraging your medical background to improve the healthcare system in your state, uh, how do you identify areas in your practice that healthcare policy could help improve? Yeah, it's actually really interesting because when you're a practicing physician, one of the nice things about Indiana is that it's a citizen legislature. So you are actually still working in your day job. And so it's actually, I get to live some of that. And so as a legislator, you kind of look and say, you start to hear when people say, man, why do we have to do it this way? Or "Ah, it'd be better this way. Uh, You start taking a lot of notes on those kind of things. And so I don't want government to get in the way of, of good healthcare and uh, being able to take care of, of people the way that we want to. And so it really, uh, I start looking at those kind of things. There's a lot of uh, organizations that come to you with ideas and you have to kind of filter uh, the bias or what they're, they're looking to gain through that. And some things are good and uh, some things are bad. But um, even this year, we were able to improve access to uh, pregnancy centers and resources for pregnant moms. And I felt like that was a big area that going in that I had looked at and identified through the conversations through my uh, campaign. And so that was a big policy thing that actually got there and they were already working on. So it was kind of neat to be able to identify that and see it through. Yeah, it seems like you definitely get a lot of ideas, not only from your own practice, but from all the different people that you speak to, which is, is exciting. Um, one last question, kind of looping back in on the idea of uh, your, your pro-life beliefs and your pro-life work, uh, potentially offering some challenges for your uh, medical practice and for your career. Uh, what advice might you have for pro-life physicians who are interested in speaking out more on behalf of their preborn patients, but are also aware of the intimidation that pro-life physicians are facing by licensing boards, major professional organizations? Uh, we've spoken a little bit about that um, as an organization at APLOG, but yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. Most people that are just working their day job and believe uh, they're a pro-life physician, it's a whole nother step to do that publicly and to stand up and do the right thing. Um, we talk about that in, in our small friend group and in our life group and those kind of discussions. And it really, at some point, if you believe in it and you stand for it, you have to stand up and speak out, especially when you're seeing an injustice done. And um, I think at that point, the intimidation and the the after effects and the retaliation for doing the right thing, it's kind of worth it. Um, you know, if I one of the things we said early on is if I lose my job or I'm demoted or I lose a position because we're doing the right thing and we're speaking truth and doing it the right way through that process, then so be it. It really comes down to that. It, and I'm happy to keep working and keep moving and um you know, I'm a physician. I think I do a pretty good job. I work pretty hard. I have the respect of the people around me already. And so I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to stand up and try to do it the right way. And I don't think people just yelling about it or, or trying to undermine or um, I think it's it's easier to just stand up and speak the truth. And it really will work itself out from that standpoint. So I would tell them not to be intimidated, uh, really to stand up and not be afraid of the consequences. Absolutely. And knowing that they're in the company of physicians like you, Dr. Johnson, must be extremely encouraging for uh, pro-life medical professionals everywhere. So thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you. 
And thank you so much for being here. And a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you have any topic requests, you can direct message us on the social media pages linked in the description of this episode. You can also email us at info at aaplog.org. And if you're a medical professional interested in joining this community as a member, you can do so by going to aaplog.org slash join. We will see you next week.